Yeehaw, I'm doing seven things at once. I am trying to fix <laughs> my phone, <laughs> which we just found out has been downloading 50 million episodes of Taxag Radio. So my phone is going ballistic right now. Um, but yes, it is Thursday. It is nine. So it's UK Cowboys time. Divisional time. How does that make you feel, Lorne? Well, it feels good. Feels good to get this far and get the get the old um, monkey off our backs of not having won an away game, you know, in the yeah. playoffs for thirty odd years, and now we're now we get a trip to go back to the west coast and face our biggest uh, playoff rivals. I think. So, yeah. yeah. Have to say. When it comes to like a tale of two cities, nothing could be further from the truth with Dallas and and San Francisco. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. Um, so oh, here we go. Look, he, he's bring him in. Let's have a look. There she is. Look, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Oh, he's looking bright and breezy. <laughs> so, yes, it's all going on. Um, it is, of course, uh, season four, episode 47, 252 pre game show for this weekend's game, uh, which is obviously against the 49ers. Uh, and it is in uh, San Francisco, so at Levi Stadium. Kickoff uh, in the UK, 11.30 p.m. on Sunday. So um, a fairly late one again. Getting kind of used to that, though, aren't we, guys? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'll, I'll make sure to stay up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was fully uh, up for the last one. Luckily, luckily, everything worked out right, so I was okay with shifts and everything. Um, we worked. Some of the guys from Germany actually were talking to us um, on Twitter on the day, and they laid like an hour further along again. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a right killer for them, like a, a yeah. two a.m. kickoff. Yeah, and the guys from. Don't forget the guys from Spain as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the only thing is the only difference that, for them is they've got better weather than us. So uh, I don't yeah, feel sorry for them. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, like so right now it's like what minus three right now. Mm, cold. Yeah. Very I cold. I can't can't tell you the number of times I've almost ended up on my backside this week. So. Oh, uh, I like watching don't think we need to know about that, mate. Feels like you're watching an episode of Still Game. Get your some, get your thermograps. Mm. Timpsons twenty four ninety nine. Uh, Timpsons. So yes, we will uh, kick this show off. Um, but like as we do with every episode, and you guys at home as well, answer this question. And we always start off with this. Just. A, Without going into too much detail or depth, how do you just feel about this weekend's game? Bearing in mind, yeah, we just beaten the GOAT and now we're against a third-string quarterback. Right, okay. I've had a wee bit of time to digest this, right? Yeah. My personal opinion on this is that this is getting way overhyped up than the way it should be. Like, I don't understand. I, I don't understand where this juggernaut of San Francisco is coming from. I'm not particularly worried compared to last year. This year, I'm not as worried. Right, the reason I say that is because when you look at the San Francisco's record, they've only beaten, what, two or three teams with a plus record. They barely scratched the surface against Seattle during the regular season. They mm -hmm. almost got beat. Um, oh, who, who is it they almost, almost got beat to? They I got can't beat remember. by the Saints. 
Well, they've got um, a game of the Saints. They lost, lost to the Chiefs, fair enough. But there's been games where they would just edge. No, it was Tampa Bay, funny enough. It was actually Tampa Bay. No, they no, they, they blew Tampa out. I think it was Las Vegas that took them to overtime. Ah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it was the, it was yep. the Raiders. Yeah, you're right, Lauren. So it was the Raiders. And, I mean, don't get it wrong. They've got some Thank good you. weapons in that. But I'm not that particularly worried. As long as we stick to, as long as we are very um, aware of the, of the run play option scenario, make sure we contain McCaffrey and stop George Kittle essentially, and Debo, I think we'll be fine. Yep, I I have to agree. I mean, I think obviously you know a lot of it's been made out that you know obviously last year they bumped us out of the playoff when we were meant to be the. The Absolutely. the yep. big the bigger team or whatever and you know they came in with their boom boxes and all that sort of stuff, yep. um, but I mean their team, g- give or take the addition of Christian McCaffrey hasn't really changed from last year. We know what they're they've got is Christian McCaffrey. If he can stay healthy, yeah, he can be a weapon for them. But mm-hmm. you know, you're also talking that they don't have somebody like Jimmy G, um, but. You know, again, Jimmy G's n- nothing more really than a, a glorified bus driver, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, and I think Brock Purdy, you know, I'd be, I'd be more, more concerned if we were going into the game and not having the amount of tape that we do have against him. But we do yeah. have the tape and he hasn't. Yes, he's been great. You know, yeah. the, he's 6-0 as a starter and all that. But, you know, the more tape you have, the more you can see the little thing foibles that he's got, the things that you can pick on. Uh, and, and, um, this kind of, and that kind of picks up to the, the opponents they've been they've been having as well. Yeah. Like when you look at like obviously he wasn't playing. Well, I don't think Purdue was playing against Kansas City, but you saw San Francisco absolute fold under Kansas City defensively and offensively. Where and and all fair play to Purdy, like he has been playing some really good football, Mister Irrelevant. Like so, there's a lot of uh, question marks and what to do with him. Yeah, but I think how the Cowboys are approaching this game is not treat him like a rookie, treat him like a vet, and actually get after him. So I like I like the comments about that and uh, what Mike McCarthy mentioned earlier today. I believe it was. Yeah. I mean, I think once you've played six games in this league, you're no longer you're no longer a rookie. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah. You've got enough. Yeah, you've it. got enough yeah. experience. That... Agreed. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm more concerned about their defense against our offense. I'm more worried about us in general. Like, mm. like that's my biggest concern. Like I'm not worried about San Francisco as a team. I'm more worried about what is Dallas going to do. Like, and this is the problem we've had all season. We've talked about this nearly every week. It's consistency, yeah. and reason I'm saying that is, well, let me kind of rephrase it. When you look at the games where we should have won, we lost pretty much, and the games that we should have should have lost, we've actually won and really set in a stamp of authority, like. Like and I suppose the favors on us is the fact that nearly every mainstream media analyst out there is actually picking San Francisco over the Cowboys right now, not giving any ounce of respect towards Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, any and the, and Dan Quinn in the defense. They're not giving them any respect at all. 
And if anything, we actually are playing better when the odds are against us right now. So yeah. that could be that could be the fire that needs to be lit underneath our butts. Who knows? But it's going to be a very interesting game, I'll say to the least. I'm not going to say that we are going to go out there and absolutely smoke the 49ers. I don't think that's the case. And plus, it's for, it's playoff football. It's mm. like there's there's going to be more risks taken in this game. There's going to be more mistakes going to happen at some point in the game because you're going to be because everything's on the line. I mean, this game will take you to the NFC Championship game against a team who we've beaten already this season, either the Eagles or the Giants. So, either way, it's there's a lot at stake here. Yep. I, yeah. I, compl- I completely agree. And I mean, everybody just seems to be saying, no, there's no there's no hope for Dallas. I'm actually, you know, I'm quite positive about this. My money is still going to be going on Dallas. Um, I think it yeah. will be close. I mean, we took, we took them close last year. I mean, another couple of seconds, we'd have, we'd have got another playoff. And, see, see, that's, you know, that's that's a, yeah, that's sorry, 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 but you're, you're right, though, Lord. Like, when you look at last year's playoff game, right? There was a lot of bad decisions, not from the players, but from the coaching staff to do what they had to do. Like, yep. we, we shouldn't have run the ball in certain situations. We shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have done that. Excuse me. But if Kellen Moore can do what exactly what he did against Tampa Bay and Minnesota and all the other games that we've really set, stamped the authority, like even the Rams and even the Cincinnati games, those were pretty decent performances. Like, when you, like, if we can just, get the best collective of every player playing at their best and have the coaches head their head switched on, we are going to win this game. Yep. Yes, yes. So it should be quite interesting um, with the way things are stacked up. I've done, that came out this week, uh, actually today, the Cowboys offense and 49ers offense article that's come out. So quite interesting. You get to see yeah. a bit of differences, but should we get, on with this then guys Let's and guess yeah straight into the the cowboys offense versus oh, the... what, what about the news and updates do you want to do news and updates well there's only a little, little bit well there are some things i do want to kind of discuss regards to more... <laughs> all right then let's hit the news and updates first and then we'll fire through the through the rest of the show. yeah so there's two things i want to talk about uh, obviously, the announcement today, NFL have announced that Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Tennessee are going to be the designated home teams in London, and in Germany, it's going to be New England and Kansas City. And out of those five games, Dallas is up against Buffalo as an away game. But my concern is I don't think that's going to happen. reason I say that is because primetime TV spot. Like, it's a big game. It's like, I do not see Jerry Jones and I don't see the NFL willing to kind of put that on the earlier schedule and miss TV ratings for that game at all. Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, it's it's there to make some money. So, as much as I would love the Cowboys to go and play Buffalo, and don't forget, it's at Tottenham Stadium. It's a smaller stadium than Wembley. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get, it, like, if they do decide to play the game late at night, like 9.30 p.m. or something like that, by after the game's done, it's literally going to be really difficult for the fans to actually find any modes of transportation to go home. So that's one. That's the main reasons why I'm saying it's not going to be the Dallas Cowboys. 
Yeah. I love to be wrong. I love to be wrong on us, but when you look at the historical facts of all the teams that have been there, and we've seen that last year when it was supposed to be AFC versus NFC teams, like, mm. like every year, it seems to be the designated home team's always going to be AFC this year. Next year's going to be NFC ADM, with the exception of Jacksonville. But we saw yeah. where last year it was Green Bay and New York. We saw Denver versus Jacksonville. It was it was like actual divisional games were happening and stuff like that as well. So it does not matter. Like it could be the Cowboys, it could not be. But I reckon it's going to be more in the lines of Las Vegas. It's going to be playing in against yeah. Buffalo. So bad. Yeah, I mean, oh. I mean the 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 Cowboys Bills would be a good one because that'll be a re- rematch of Super Bowl 27, 28, the, and fifty and fifty seven fifty seven as well. Yeah. If you see what I mean, if you see what I put put in there, you know. But yeah, so um, so just to count on what you're saying there, Lauren, right? I I get that from a marketing perspective, that's great, but they can still market that even bigger as a prime time game. Yeah. So well, yeah, I, I, I think it would sell more in a like in a proper prime TV time spot, like Monday night football or Thursday night football or the late game on a Sunday a lot more compared to an early game in the UK where some like some viewers in like say the West Coast would need to up like like 6 a.m. or something like that, something ridiculous just to watch the game. That's not gonna happen. So yeah. I don't think well, especially I mean it'd be a rematch of this year's Super Bowl. So you know it, well, <laughs> who knows that may, that may who knows that, that may be the season opener, who knows? No, yep. that's true. It could um, very well be. But, but the other news is, I don't know if you saw this, um, so Bobby Bell and everybody else, like uh, Joe Machota, all reported that Brett Maher was six for six today and kicking. <laughs> yep. But so, that, that's, that's the kicking, Will, for you. Like, I, I yeah. even wrote uh, about uh, that situation. And, and one of the things I've said in it is that there is no doubt in it, with a kicker that you can go out and have a bad day. A bad day Absolutely. is... What my, and then the next week, go out there and punch 50-plus. And yeah. it's, it's done. Hey, don't forget, Jason Myers has had bad games as well, and he's like in the Pro Bowl right now for, for the, uh, representing the Seahawks. Yeah, so, yeah. But Justin Tucker's missed some. He, absolutely. And he's probably without the, the goal of kicking right now. Um, oh, he's but, Pro Bowl. But the guy that we brought in like for, to the practice squad, he was three for five, and Brett Maher was six for six. So mm. clearly... Brett Maher's been focused. He's getting him, he's getting his he's getting his head straight. And not to mention as well, it was reported as well that there was a lot of wind in Dallas today. So to make six for six in the wind. Yep. It just comes and to I show mean, he it just comes to show he's there. He's he's ready. He's ready to play this game. Yeah. And if you've listened to Mick Shots this week as well, Mick Mick was talking about the um the state of the pitch at uh, yeah, Tampa Bay as well. I, I mean, the the number of games that they've played on it recently. You know, they had there was two, two college bowl games. Yeah. Um. You know, and there was different different tendencies of the sod. You, you know, they'd resodded various parts of the field and all that sort of stuff. Um. You know, it, it's it's likely to have an effect, and I think Brian Anger had said that there's a, there is an actual report that, you know, Tampa is one of the the. For some reason, even with all the rain and everything like that, that Tampa is actually one of the five worst stadiums of uh, for for kicking mm-hmm. in, you know. So yeah. in terms of the standard of the fields, they get a lot of, of unusual weather, you know, like throughout the year. 
it, it's yep. it's like up and down more than it is in the UK. Um, they get some really even in Santa Clara, it can be yep. pretty balmy there. And like there's one type one part of the year where it's just completely damp and foggy that you can't see your hand in front of your face. Yeah. yeah. That's how bad know, at, at least, at least we're not playing a candlestick anymore because candlestick always was n notorious for having the wa high water table as well. And you sure. know, any any time there was rain, that just became an absolute quagmire on that field. So, um, giggity. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was the two main things I wanted to talk about in terms of the latest news and yeah. stuff like that. So, like, well, so, what what yeah. is interesting? Mind you, about the kicker that you're talking about, uh, Tristian Vizcano, is that um, he's been out of Dallas before. He has. Yeah. He was on a futures yep. contract. Yeah, we, we seem to have a habit of bringing, bringing guys back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, so they knew what they were dealing with. And I think he's just purely there as like, because what, what, what that says to me, I know they're talking about, you know, the conditions of the field. You're talking about mental factors when he starts missing. I wonder as well if there was something bothering him, like something else, not an injury, but something niggling. No, because uh, no, his well, kickoffs were fine. You watched the kickoffs because yeah. that's a big well, and his kickoffs were going right where they needed to go. So I don't think there was any of that sort of injury. But yeah. I'm wondering if that that them just signing this extra kick of the practice squad is to cover them in case throughout this week now. March has been not men, you know, not uh, a physical issue, but more of a oh god, he's breaking down. You know, I think yeah. that's what that was. Really yeah, doing. yeah. I don't. I, there's definitely no injury. Like Brett Maher came out in, a, in an interview during the pre, um, like press day type of thing. Like he just basically just it just just he couldn't point the finger what was going wrong. He thought he hit the ball clearly despite the conditions of the field. And mm -hmm. it just never went into be uh, between the goalposts. And um, even Babe Lafferboard on 103.5 The Fan today with um, Jane Slater and RJ and um, Shan was making a comment about um, Brett Maher saying he's he's got, I don't think he's got anything to worry about. Like they were talking about, like if he can have a good practice and that, I think he'll be good to go for the San Francisco game. So I'm not worried about Brett Maher. I'm just more worried about our offense if they can just continue going. That's my most worried thing. Well, here's, uh, I mean, here we go then, right? We'll we'll kick into the offense in yep. just a second. The only thing I was going to add uh, that so far we're waiting for today's practice report, but from yesterday. Jamin Chris was limited, but he's told the press he's 100% to go for this weekend. He's a, his words were, I'm 100% going to play. Yep. That's what yeah. he said. Demarcus Lawrence has a foot issue, uh, and Jason Peters, obviously, uh, with the hip injury that left him from the game early last week. If he comes back um, to play again for Dallas, I think the earliest we'll see him, if Cowboys get there, will be the Super Bowl by what? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think he's out multiple weeks. Um, you know, a hip injury is hard enough to come back from anyway. But you know, as soon as you get to forty years old, thing, things, your recovery time slows down and all that. So, yeah, yeah. Before, um, yeah, before we go into the offense, Mike, guys, get your comments in. We would love to hear what you think about this game coming up. MVPs of the show. Absolutely. So, guys, get your comments out. We can see you there all. We see Joe. We see Tim. We see Valenti there. We see you all. We see you all. So, get your, <laughs> get your comments in. 
Yes. So, um, yeah, the only other thing I want to make notable for you guys is that's just been reported. The Cowboys have opened the practice window for Simi Fahoku and linebacker Devin yeah. Harper, if you remember, went out in preseason with a, a, a nasty injury. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll just see what happens when the practice reports come in for today. We'll update you back on that. But let's hit the show and get on with the offensive side. Let's go. All right. So I want to uh, kind of segue into what you were saying about, um, you know, the kicking game. Mm-hmm. So we may as well, as it's offense. We'll start there. The only thing I'm going to say, what you, you guys think of this, is that if we're relying on Brett Maha to win the game, we've lost the game. Not because... Brett Maha is a bad kicker, but if we're having to kick field goals to stay in the game, this game's over. Yeah. Yep. But, I mean, we can't even rely on a kicker to actually put the only points on the board. Our offense needs to match that as well. Like yeah. it, it needs to be a whole team collective effort to win this game. Like, don't get me wrong, like, like we kind of mentioned like, during uh, the start of the show, San Francisco are, like, they do, they have some really good players in that team. I still don't think they've played a team, well, besides Kansas City, um, they've played a really, really, really good team on their best day. My only concern is we need every single person on that roster to be on their best to really yep. like make a statement. So that's how like that's how I generally believe. I think we will get a win in this game, but it's still gonna be a massive it's gonna be a, a tough game, regardless. Right, Lorne, here it is for you. For me. Where this starts, people will say Dak Prescott. For me, okay, yeah, Dak Prescott is going to be the what people lean to. But in order for Dak Prescott to succeed against this 49ers defense, <coughs> it's all dependent on the offensive line. True or false? Comple- completely agree. I think both both sides both sides of the game yes. will focus yeah. on the trenches. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, Bosa's no slouch. You've got Javon Walker. You've got, yeah. you know, that 49ers front for the last four or, five, four, five, four or five years has been very strong. Mm-hmm. And if you think that, you know, for for as good as Tyler Smith has been this year, Tyler Smith against Bosa probably gives you a few sleepless nights. Yeah. Tyler Smith, I mean, even if you go back to last year, Tyler, uh, sorry, Bosa versus... Um, Tyron Smith, albeit, albeit Bosa left the game halfway through the game last year. That's right. Um, and struggled. You know, his, his replacement, Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith actually struggled against yeah. the, the guys that they brought on as well. That front can give can cause nightmares. Um, you know, so we need to do whatever we can, whether whether we bring somebody up to do the Obviously, Conor McGovern's going to be back in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you've got somebody who can do what they were doing and, you know, play that heavy fullback, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that you got somebody you got somebody potentially as a blocker, um, that's – we need to do something that keeps that clean. Let, let him do what he needs to do and everybody plays for this ball. Yeah. Um, receivers need to step up. They can't can't think, well, you know, oh, Dak's thrown it. It's a little bit behind me. I'll just leave it. They've got to go for the ball as well. Because I think the big thing with um, 
Jason Peters going out. It isn't so much because I actually prefer Tyler Smith at left tackle and I do left guard. I, I think, think he's, he's, he's play, yep. yeah, he's played yep. better there. Um, the issue is, I, I mean, we'll talk about Tyler Smith a little bit more now, but I think the issue is with Jason Peters out is that it loses you the option for the 6-0-L formation. Like you say, with, with McGovern in as fullback as that six offensive lineman, you lose that that option because he your six guy is, is in the line. But one thing I will say is what is absolutely crazy. Go back and check this. Tyler Smith last week against Tampa Bay. Bear in mind, think of that defensive line at Tampa Bay. He got moved yep. from left guard to left tackle, which is bad in itself. That That's quite a tough task to try and yep. do to complete. And yet there's only two offensive linemen last week that allowed zero pressures, zero sacks, and zero penalties. One was Zach Martin. The other was Tyler Smith. There Zach Martin did it from one spot. Yep. That was Tyler Smith's best game. And here's another point as well, is we're talking about Nick Bosa. I don't know what you guys think, but last week against uh, quite a decent pass rush, Tyron Smith at right tackle looked much more comfortable. He was rolling. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think on that? I completely agree. Yeah, completely agree as well. I mean, it it just, just seemed that things were clicking at the right time last week, you know, and... Again, you know, it, it suggests that maybe we were playing a bit of rope-a-dope in the Washington game. Could um, be. You know, we said that, yeah. We said that on the show. Yeah, we said that, yep. Mm. Yep. That they were keeping some back, perhaps, you know? Because I know there's something else that I feel they kept back as well <laughs> on defense. <laughs> but um, this San Francisco D-line, Paul, yeah. um, obviously, the offer, I think the edges for this offense, sorry, the edges for the defensive line for San Francisco, phenomenal. We know this. But down the middle is where you can attack them. The issue being, though, is it's McGovern and Biadish having to take that responsibility on. Do you trust them enough to be able to get pressure to create gaps for Zeke and Pollard down the middle? I don't see why not. I mean, well, we saw the impact that Biadish did last week since he came back from his injury. It just shows you how 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 much he's came on as a player and developed, and and how much fundamental he is to this offensive line now, and and even McGovern as well. Like McGovern's now like given more consistency playing in the left guard position, he will get better, and we are seeing that. So, and like to key what you kind of mentioned there, Mike, is like their weakest point out of their defensive line is definitely down the middle, particularly on the the left side of the A gap is probably the weakest point. Yeah. Like I can't remember who put up this statistic, but it was basically showing you the 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 um the percentage the success rate of the gaps, and basically the A gap on the left hand side was pretty much the basically the like sixty five percent success rate. So I'm um, I'm you know what I'm just like if that's the way it happened, and that's been all through the season and the playoff game against Seattle there. Mm. So it's it's an interesting start. So. And that's definitely more tailor made for Zeke. Yeah, getting in, get those thirty yeah. yards, run up the middle, take out the middle linebacker, like just dip the shoulder down. I think it's there, like because this defensive line. The issue is, is this defensive line with the two linebackers as well, Greenlaw and Fred Warner, brilliant yeah. against the run. 
and they are ranked yeah. second in the regular season. They allowed an average of 77 rush yards per game. That's insane. It's a great, it's a really statistic, though. I mean, yeah. I, I can make you what... feel better about it, though, Paul. I'm not, worried, yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly worried about it. I like, I think, like I keep saying, it's like if we're on our best day, I think we'll, we'll surprise San Francisco quite a lot. It's just a matter of how we execute the game plan more than anything, I think. Yeah. Do you think they'll have to, like, manufacture, perhaps, some of the runs loan in, in different ways, like play action and what have you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the more kinks that you can put into the offense, the the better it's going to be to to, to get things operating. Um, you know, it's, it, it's not... It's not you know, you almost have to be more, uh, what am I trying to say? You need to have these sort of kinks. You can't just stick with the basics and do the basics well. You've got to, because, you know, this, not in the playoffs. You've got to have these yeah. things that have never been used before. You're, you're going on a whim that they're going to work against these. But, you know, the, the bigger the risk that you take, the bigger the rewards. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, um, uh, like, one of the things I, I quite like that I noticed is that in the regular season, the, the San Francisco 49ers in the last three games ranked fifth in worst passing yards allowed. They were leaking bad. And you look at the last week's game then against uh, Seattle, bear in mind Seattle, they allowed 228 passing yards against them. Yeah, I mean, DK DK Metcalf, that first half, DK Metcalf yeah. was on fire. Flying. I mean, yeah. you, ha you have to say, I mean, the, the turning point in that game was probably just before halftime where yeah. <laughs> um, the Geno Smith fumbled the ball, and that was yeah, it. That you know, was that, bad. That, that it's, it's took all the wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Took all the wind out of their sails. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think that's what really lost them that game. To be honest, um, I mean, we we could have been, uh, could have, well, in fact, we wouldn't have played Seattle. We would have been playing somebody else if they won. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I think if it wasn't for that fumble, it, we may have been having a different scenario on our hands we may have not been playing san francisco they get 49ers would have still won i think they've just been a bit closer and you would have seen slightly different play styles uh maybe maybe but then again they did like they just barely won against them earlier in the regular season so True. so Again, any given Sunday playoff football, who knows? <laughs> yeah. That is true. But obviously going in back to the fact that they're, they're leaking on offense, I think, because Dak had what I would describe as one of the best games he's played last week. Hands I mean, the guy was on easily. fire, fire. Yeah. What was good is the rushing, the scrambling and the rushing. That's yeah. good to see because we've said this before. The sweet spot, I think, for Dak in terms of rushing is – not these massive Justin Field type yardage, but yeah. you know, like twenty and, to thirty yards, and like say two or three extra first downs from that. That's just enough, and that's enough to cause defenses to have to worry about it. Then, yeah, it's the it's the seven yard rushes, like just to get over Nothing. the first downs. That yeah. it keeps position the game, it keeps the momentum going, it keeps the confidence within the offense going forward. So. 
I'm more than happy. And uh, Joe made a wee comment there. Oh, let me bring it up. So mm. he just mentioned says that needs to have more rollout plays and use his legs. I yeah. completely agree with that. One hundred. I wouldn't say more from what that last week's game, but more. Yeah, of yeah. The I, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, and it's like I'm trying to think of it in this kind of way, like. If the pocket collapses, then you're left with no choice to kind of... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like we've yeah. seen with Daniel Jones this year for the Giants, because that's what's kept the Giants relevant this year. It's, yeah. And, yeah. And, and as much it pains me to say this, but if it was not for Daniel Jones, the Giants wouldn't be in the situation they are right now. Like, no. Because Daniel Jones has actually kept their offense momentum going by getting out the pocket. Kept them on the schedule. Ball. Yeah, exactly. So I don't see why that be. Um, I don't see why it'd be um, a bad thing for that to do that. So um, I'm all for that. Like if the pocket collapses and there's no option, that just run the ball and try and get that first down, get the mountain going, then reset and try and think of new passing option play to do, and it gives more information for Kellen to kind of process what needs to do, try and expose San Francisco. So I'm all for it. Well, I think. I think, I think all- there's some crazy stat that when when Dak runs the ball for 24 yards or more um, in a game, he's something incredibly weighted. It's something like 18 and two is his record <laughs> when he's when he's run the ball for over 24 yards. Um, you know, and that that's all you need. I mean, give them something to worry about. If you're going to use Dak as a drop back pocket passer. Fine, they'll just tee off and they'll work out where Dak's going to end up on a five, seven, three, five, or seven step drop, and that's mm. that's how they'll focus. If Dak's out running and willing to go across the line and run with the ball, which I think you're seeing in the last couple of weeks, Dak's realised he's got to do that. He's he's putting it on his back as well, and he's going off and doing that. And it's fine at this stage. You don't mind it now. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, because it, it, it's so hard or go home. Yeah, yeah. I think the best example, what we saw the best of Dak again. We mentioned this in the post game show was Dak minutes two minute offense in the end of yeah. the second, the second quarter. That was just pure amazing. That was, class, that was that yeah. was one of Dak Prescott's best drives. I thought, like how determined and how he was just so like forward going with that drive to put the ball in the end zone. And and just to bring up more comments uh, up, uh, Tim's just kind of said about Dak's strong points here. I always thought one of Dak's strong points is how well he can throw the ball on the run, and it's so true. Like like mm. for, for a guy he's, that he's, like, he's pretty good at see, it. See when he's scrambling, he seems to have a really accurate throw when he's scrambling, like moving off to <laughs> the side. Yeah, I, I would say not not so much scrambling, but you know, like when he's not he, when he's evading pressure. I yeah, would say. yeah. Not like when he's yeah. scrambling, it can be kind of a bit mixed bag. But when he's evading pressure, he's so, almost sort of like on the edge of escaping the pocket and getting outside the tackle. When he's just there and he's just, you know, he's floating around in that pocket a little bit, and he's he's got all that pocket movement. Because again, I would say where Dak is strongest and probably one of the best in the NFL is against pressure. When he's got pressure in his face and it's coming at him, don't ask me why. It happens as opposed to when he's got a clean pocket, but when he's got it coming at him, that guy can just deliver. Yeah, and, and also just to add on top of that, so I thought his game management against Tampa Bay was probably one of his best ones as well. In terms of reading the defense, like uh, Emmanuel Atro actually posted up a good dissection of a video of one particular play 
against Tampa Bay where the corner was supposed to blitz. But because when CD Lamb moved up further wide, the corner had to readjust and had to be on man coverage. Then the safety had to come down <clears throat> to be the guy to blitz. And there was no way the safety was going to come down there in time to get to that, to throw the ball. And that left the gap open in the middle of the field. And it, it was like um, Dave, um, David for Tampa Bay, he was just left standing there, like in the middle of the field, like, because the only thing Corner can do is just track and, and the pass went to CD Lamb. That was one of the really nice key points because they had to switch the play up twice. Then you see CD Lamb readjust himself further wide before the snap. <clears throat> and you saw that happen. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because what was really apparent in this game, and me, me and you, Paul, because we, we, you know, I know. Lorne was getting his beauty sleep. He's much older than us, guys, so don't blame him. He's much older. But me and you up were watching the game, and I put a stat about the tight end, um, how the Bucks were struggling, and all of a sudden Dalton Schultz goes out there, catches all these passes, and then catches two touchdowns. Well, <laughs> and it's me and you just retweeting the tweet constantly yeah. through the night then. Yeah, but so just to bring up when you now mentioned tight ends, Tim's asked an R kind of question. Uh, yes. It's like, why not a tight end and that clears one linebacker in the middle of the field for Zeke? What do you guys think? Nah, but this here's the problem is I don't think this is a big game for Schultz. And I'll tell you, there's a couple of reasons why. First one is their safeties are really good at defending the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Cowboys play a lot of 12-man, so you can clear it out that way a little bit. But their safeties coming down, I forget the name of the guy. I I only wrote about him today, but um, they they are quite good at defending against the tight ends. Um, this is more of a game for Dalton Schultz, I think, in terms of setting the edge um, when he's the point of attack, because that's going to yeah. be what's important. Because it's all about one game, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But yeah. here's the one the one place where I think they can attack is CD Lamb. Yeah, and it basically looking at it when you look at the two corners. Um, so their other guy, uh, Traverius Ward, really good at defending the deep pass, right? So what yeah. I'm I'm thinking, what I would do, I'm going to send Michael Gallup as he has done in the past, and he doesn't mind doing it on clearing routes. Get him to clear. And then the other guy who he's up against then, that would leave C.D. Lamb playing from the slot, right? So you do that, and he's going to be up against um, Diamador Lenore. That's a bit bit of a tongue twister that there, mate. (laughs) I know. Um, But he leaks. He's missed a bunch of tackles, like quite a lot. He's allowed, I think, about six touchdowns on the year. And I think it's somewhere close to a, a hundred quarterback rating and i know quarterback rating can be a bit of a, a a touchy subject as a stat to use but i like using it for cornerbacks cornerbacks mm-hmm. and wide receivers are good play like what are they what what's their quarterback rating when they're targeted and lenore is quite high so i'm putting my best receiver on their worst cornerback and i'm sending michael gallup on clearing routes see i was yeah. about to actually button and actually mention michael gallup but you actually took the words right out of my mouth there mike yeah I think I think, I if, I think if you're going up against Chavarius Ward as well, I mean, um, as you say, the the deeper the deep the deeper the pass, the better he is. But 
but mm. we we have an understand or Danko have an understanding of Chaverius Ward because he was a 2018 practice squad guy for us. Yeah. And then when he, he's obviously got better, but I mean I think he ended up with stints at, at the Jets for a period, and then he ended up he got he got a ring with Kansas City. He's now with San Francisco. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, no, but, he was with Kansas. But DK, DK Metcalf made a again. You know, he went off. It was Javarius Ward slants, mm. everything like that. Javarius Ward is normally left in his dust. Um, so if if you got somebody who's speeding coming in on the inside, I mean that that's easy to beat him. The deeper the ball goes, the more the more Ward has a chance to get back and defend it. And that's where he, he's in his own strengths. Yeah, because you, you did see it with DK Metcalf. But I think you, you do that. So you make CD Lamb a point of emphasis from the slot, right? You've got Michael Gallup clearing out, that you know, ward down the bottom. So that leaves you with T.Y. Hilton, who could have an absolute field day here. Yep. yep. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but apart from that, what does Dak Prescott need to do apart from using his legs? Just basically play smart football like he did last week? I think he's going to have to. Like, don't yeah. be desperate. Play our game and not play to San Francisco. That's, That's it. Very true. Yeah. Live, live, live to fight another day. Take take the five yards. Don't look for the 20-yard pass. Yeah. Um, I'm with you there, Lord. You know, keep keep the chains moving. Keep ahead of the chains. All that sort Just of stay stuff. on schedule. Just stay on schedule. Do nothing crazy. Nothing out of the ordinary. But let's go on to the defense, oh, is it, guys? Oh, oh yes. Be, just before you go, like I've just brought up the, anyway. the matchup predictor from ESPN. What percentage do you think the Dallas Cowboys are to win this game? Like 40. 53.2%. How come we've gone that way now? Don't know. I don't know what's swung in the different momentum, but uh, so it's shown up on screen now. It's forty six point eight for San Francisco and fifty two. So fifty three point two for Dallas to win this game. So you could say it's near enough even split. I I would imagine though that that that's going to be professional picks as opposed to the Vegas odds of Vegas. It's not yeah. about. Uh, it's just according. To, it's like it's, betting odds. According it's according to the ESPN analytics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to the defense. <laughs> All right, here we are. I'm going to give you two straight, right, Paul? Mm. And to upset you, and I'm sorry in advance. People actually missed the point that Neville Gallimore was inactive last week. Yeah, and yeah, I know. Looking at this game, right, Paul? And I know this is going to upset you. I see him being inactive again this week because there's. I just don't see any snaps where he's going to be of use to you in this game. When you think of the, the running backs, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you got Jonathan Hankins in there. Yeah. But also, like, you can have Christian McCaffrey. You've got Debo running at the backfield. You've got Carl Juszczyk as well and George Kittle. Like, there's, right. there's nothing Neville Galmore can provide for you in this game. And I just wonder, have we now seen the last of Neville Galmore playing for the Cowboys? Especially if he's inactive now. It pains me how much to say this, but I find that I find you're spot on, man. I'm one of big, I'm I'm a big, big, big I, Neville Gallimore fan. That's why I'm every, you. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows how much I love Neville Gallimore. Uh, 
it's just unfortunate how things are kind of transpired, but this could be where Trevor would be his last opportunity, and he may even be not even able to even hit the field. So, um, it's that third round pick again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always. weird that the Cowboys do so well in the fifth and the sixth round, but seem to muff it up in the second and the third round all the time. When you think of you know all the past second and third round picks that we've had, all right, Trayvon Diggs is. Well, I was just I was just about to say Trayvon was a good pick, man. Yeah, and, but you and, think and, you think and, before and that. Lawrence, come on. Yeah, I know, I know, but you know, it, it there it does seem to be a pattern there, and it, it, it's painful, and you know. It's weird because with Neville Gallimore, you, you you drafted him to be this pass rushing three tech. And you knew he wasn't going to be... You wanted him to just be able to hold up enough against the run, which he hasn't done. But what's now happened is that he struggled to uh, stack plays uh, and come up with a pass rush plan throughout the game, which now means that he's not getting pressure up front either. So He's not doing the job you wanted, and he's not doing the job you were kind of hoping he'd be able to just manage a little bit. Do you know what I think it may be all down to? Overthinking. I think there's some of that, but also I think that um, you can only carry so many players in the game, and he's just at the bottom of that pecking order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... If, I think... What we've got with our, you know, I mean, we have an incre- crazy number of defensive linemen on that yeah. ros- on that fifty-three man roster. Yeah, yeah. And I think the whole point is, is that you know that guys will be inactive depending on who, what the tactics are that you're expecting True. from the opposition. So there will be games where you know you could have maybe seen it last week, where you know because you knew Tampa Bay is a seventy percent passing team that you know somebody like Gallimore would have been on. But then you needed you needed Hankins there to to force the fact Locked that you know it. there wasn't good there wasn't going to be running in the middle and try and get them away from the running game, which you know they eventually did. They only ran yeah. the ball twelve yeah. times. Yeah. All yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. Um Hankins is definitely a big piece of this defense. Um, you know, and it just depends on what you're looking for from your three technique. And I think, to be honest, Goldston's coming on. Goldston's coming on. Yeah, he was quiet to begin with. Um, we'll he's an unsung hero well. right now. Yeah. I, I mean, let's talk about... As well. I'm in there. Let's talk about those guys. I mean, you're segueing beautifully into it. The inside guys right now, I think, are turning up. When you talk about the big three, it's Hankins, Goldston, and Osa. And yeah. those three are turning up right at the perfect time, this time of season. Yeah. And yeah. Goldston is completely been overlooked and the trouble is is i know you guys have played defensive line before and uh, especially inside it's an un, it's a very unselfish position that on a stat sheet looks like a load of crap <laughs> it does because it's, it's, there's it's nothing also- on there but it's it's what the it's what you don't see on the stat sheet that's really important for the inside guys don't forget as well it's the most punishing position to play very very like like as much as, like so, I played DN and I played the free type position. Like I gained more injuries playing in the free type position than I did in the edge. I can imagine. That's just a fact. Because you're more likely to get the double team set on you. You're more likely to get put on your butt mm. than you do on the edge. So you got but, chips from both sides. Yeah. Yep. So, 
So that might come along play into it's the wear and tear within the the, the free tech and the one text or the or the zeros of your head playing heads up against the center. You're just more likely to pick up these wee nibbles that might affect yeah. your performance. But what I do like is that Hankins comes back last week, and I know we'll talk about Leighton Van Der Esch too because that guy oh. deserves all those yeah. that are coming to him. But Hankins, I think. They, oh, I think Hankins last week he showed you, especially Tampa Bay. 52 rushing yards on the day. Was it it not 11 yards for just uh, Leonard Fournette alone? uh, Yeah, Yeah. Fournette had 11 yards. 52 as a team. So Who's laughing now, Leonard? Who's laughing now? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I mean, like, this is a defense a few years ago that um, let a 100-yard rusher to some Fisher guy who just came on the field for a day. But, oh, the Cleveland game, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you look at you look at this remind, now with what... So, sorry, mate, but remind me, who was playing defensive tackle that time? I know. Yeah. Yep. There was a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. your, fav- your favourite guy. Yeah, my favourite guy in the whole world. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what is even... Crazier with Hankins, right? Is he's not renowned for doing it. He even got a sack against Tom Brady last week. Yep. What? So you you had a nose tackle breaking through. So I think he's instrumental. Osa, he's been the steady ship. I think he's the balance. Uh, he's the balance yeah. within the middle. Without a shadow of a doubt. Like when you think of like. When people say about Osa, the issue with him was always going to be tempo and um, can he go from snap one to snap 50 being the same? Because he did struggle as the, the, he he would deteriorate quickly um, is what his fall down was. But Goldston, I was kind of worried at the start of the season what they were going to do with Goldston because we didn't see much of him. But like literally the last quarter of the season... And obviously the wild card as well. I mean, we've seen a totally different guy playing yep. up and down the line. Don't forget physically as well. Like yeah, the, the, a, bringing on he, with age he, in the he, gym. He, yeah. he's, he's he's became a more of a the utility guy when you really need him at most. In a way, how Tylen Crawford was. Yeah, I was going to say the Crawford yeah. role. Yeah, like yeah. like he's putting more weight on to kind of. Be suited more as a free tech, but also can play the edge at the same time, mm. like to, like to seal the edge, not as an edge rusher, but just to seal the edge. Um, but yeah, Golson deserves a lot of credit when it's due right now. Like, like you said, like we're not there's not a lot enough on him on field, but when he's on <laughs> the field, he is contributing. There's everything like, you need. Like, like when you really dissect the film, especially. How he gets in the position and it frees up everything else for someone else. Like, like you can imagine the Hankins as well. It freed up like some Parsons and that as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's it's all a collective team effort. And and this is one thing, and it kind of relates to like the Hankins as well, and like the LVE, those guys who've came in, it's like there's that communication is seems to be more synchronized within the mm. whole defense when those guys have came in and we saw a much more polished overall defensive performance in that game against Tampa Bay. So perfect. It, it was it, well maybe not so much we, we did slack off of those two touchdowns but it's because we were playing really well offensively. Yeah yeah but, but it was 
Like we went into I, we, we we decided it, to try and drop eight quite a lot. It was a little bit it was a little bit doubtful in a way, like it's like, oh we shouldn't have let them kind of come back type of thing. But besides from that, we were really, really good. Put the pressure on Brady, etc. If we can do the exact same thing against a guy who's a the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant and Brock Purdy, and I'm I'm really interested to see what this year can do when we go up against like a Trent Williams in that O line as well. Yeah, well, I'll get to the yep. O line, their O line in a second. So I, I'll ask you guys. Oh, like a pass. Got, just, just let you know as well. Uh, Ashes is, is complimented on your article. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to have wasted your time. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as Mike trying to say thank Selling you very much. Short he's, again, he's, he's, he's so modest our Mike so he is. but uh, I mean look right I mean Micah Parsons I, to me I think last week he was sorry sorry that's me right so I think that Micah Parsons people will talk about how good Dak Prax got played I feel on both sides of the ball for both teams Micah Parsons was the best player on the field last week and that was his yep. best game. Yeah, but as an overall collective performance, it was like in coverage and pass rush and run defense, everything. everything. I thought he was yeah. fundamentally sound. Like he may have not got all the the best stats. Like he didn't have. He's got like, one crazy star, I'll tell you now. But carry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, but yep. he didn't have like four sacks in the game or anything like, or X amount of QB pressures or something like that. But he had a lot. But, yeah, but, but it's still a lot, but. But not compared to previous games, that's what I'm trying to point out. But but when you just again when you look at everything what he was there, he was just all over the field, mm. all yeah. over the place. Well, not I mean, just all over the field, he was on the field for 79 snaps. They played it was only available 82. to him 82 snaps. That's yep. insane. <laughs> he, a, he did not three, take him what, off the field. Was it three plays he came out for? Yeah. Yep. And that was it, that was at the towards the end of the game where they were dropping eight. And the, the 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 only guys that played all eighty two snaps were all defensive backs. Yeah. So you know, yeah. which is for, standard. Which is standard, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the what Micah was doing was getting in the backfield, batting the balls down. I mean, getting his hands Fast up, getting yeah. making Brady actually pull the ball down. We we'd said all last week that Brady, if he get you know, he, he had the shortest release this season where mm-hmm. something like. 2.17 seconds, but because yeah. Micah was there and he was getting his hands up, it was causing Brady to bring the ball down, giving them another few seconds, giving the defensive uh, the defensive backs that ability to to wrestle with the receivers within the five yards. Again, it changed the coverage so that you were playing press coverage as well, which is something we hadn't seen all season. Yeah, um, you know, so this again shows the the capabilities of. Dan Quinn to change the scheme to to match, and then obviously you talk about the, you know, we've had this big nickel defense this this year where mm-hmm. you normally have three safeties. Last week you had four safeties on the field half the time. Actively, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, because I think what is important because this offensive line, a lot of people are talking about, you know, Brock Purdy, yeah, uh, and they say, and we we talked about this before. The Brock, San Francisco are literally the the Georgia Bulldogs of the NFL, and they do not they they're not quarterback reliant at all. 
They don't need a quarterback. All they need their quarterback to do is enough enough to yep. just not make them lose. Well, that's, that's very true, Chris. When you look at Jimmy G, Jimmy G's not an elite QB. He, just, he does enough to put the uh, put points in the board. But, well, but, it, but it's, the, it's, it's the rest of the team of San Francisco that still makes up for that for, uh, for the win. The so, first part is the offensive line does well. Trent uh, Williams, yeah. insane. I think he's allowing I still, I still something like. I, I still don't think he's the best left tackle in the NFL, though. I don't think that. I don't know, man. I mean, like he's allowed less than he, so he's allowed no sacks, and he's allowing less than less than one pressure per game. It's probably just me. I'm just not. I, I just I think that's better out there. I really do. <laughs> because I, I, th- I, go on, I go think on, he's. Go. I think he. I think he's been better in in previous years. I mean, he's, True. he's, yes. he's getting yeah. up, he's getting up there in age. He's yeah. of a similar age to Tyron Smith, if I remember rightly. Um, you know, he was eight years in the league when the Redskins shipped him to San Francisco. That was three years ago in the during the draft. Um, you know, so he he must be about a 10, 11 year starter now. Mm. Um, you know, so at every old father time's catching up with him. But yeah, he is still a I think because the 49ers offense is almost predicated that again it's going back to the West Coast offense. Yes. Um, mixed in with a little bit of the old Shanahan uh, zone zone blocking the runs as well. Um, you know, that's what you're seeing. So it's predicated on getting the ball into the receiver's hands as quickly as possible, get it into the back's hands, get them running downfield. Um, you know, don't don't hang around for a long period of time. Um, that's that's what they do, and you know everything that they do is yards after catch, yards yes, after catch. That's the you, that's the thing. You look at deep. Their 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 deep threat is Brandon Ayuk. Yep. Their their short their their scat back effectively is Debo Samuel. Yeah. Because um, you you look at that first Rams game this season, he had what 159 yards, I think it was. And something like 150 of them were yards after the catch. He only had about nine yards of through the air passing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, which was something crazy like that. So, if if you want to take these guys down, you make sure you tackle them as and when they get the ball. Don't let them get get ahead of steam up and run the ball. Wait, I, I mean, we'll 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 get to an issue with that in, in a second because I think. This is the sort of game, see, this is where on on their offensive side, I panic because there's two things at play. Is One, this is the type of game with Debo and uh, Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle as well, where they can, um, they, they can create runs on mismatches by moving personnel around because all three of those guys can do various things. I haven't even talked about you, Czech, right, who can do Ooh, a various yeah. number of things too. Because, I mean, like, they're literally they're one of the very few teams left in the NFL that carry a fullback, let alone play them as much as they do. And they can literally interchange these guys around, meaning that you pull defensive linemen in and out of position. So, you know, Trayvon Diggs is going to be head up over um, Debo Samuel. All of a sudden, Debo Samuel moves to the backfield. What's Trayvon Diggs doing? You know, it is... Leighton Van Der Esch, Kevin Christian McCaffrey, who's now been moved to the slot. So this is the sort of trouble that you get with them. 
where they, they try and pull these guys in and out of position. Now, the Saints showed you the blueprint on how to play them, is not to move your guys, basically. Just stay where you are. Don't let them bully you. So that's an important factor. But it's their ability to create these runs by having what, what is effectively very, very near as damn it to positionless football on the offense. Yeah. And that's that's the problem. And I, I put a post out today about J. Ron Curse's um, stats throughout the season. Incredible. George Kittle, his stats for the season, absolutely incredible. That's where the rubber's going to meet the road, I feel. Because I, I, for me, I, and this is the question about the offensive line, we've gone in a big circle around, is do we try and put pressure on Brock Purdy and get him to rush his passes. Although this offensive line is really good, although this team plays a very sort of unique running style, their philosophy is very, very unique. And they play short passing and extended handoffs, Jeff sweeps, screen passes. Do we go for the rush or do we play clog and cover? I think, we, for me, I think it's more clog and cover, to be perfectly honest. If that's one thing it's done is... Throughout the regular season, has been too ultra aggressive in the pass rush. Yeah, we have definitely. Been, and we've been caught out with like sort of uh, the the quarterback becoming more of a runner, like Daniel Jones, etc. Jalen Hurts, and Purdy can do that as well. He can show he can do that, and stream passes as well has caught us out in a few times. So, if anything, I would be more inclined to be more in the cover side of things. Mm. I mean, when we showed that when, like, for example, LVE dropping back into coverage against Tampa Bay, he looked fantastic in that game. Like, so I'd be more than happy we kind of, like, yeah, still deliver some pressure, yeah, of course, but um, but I think we're going to have to kind of just be more very aware and learn our lesson from last time against San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, the, the the one thing I would say, though, I mean, the game against the, the Raiders, I think the Raiders did get to whoever it was was quarterbacking at that point in time. Um, was it was it Purdy at that point or was it still Jimmy G? I think it might uh, Jimmy G. Let me, I'll, I'll, get yeah. start, I'll get the stats up for that, mate. Um, like, but, I mean, they, they, they got to him and, I mean, that, you know, obviously that went down to taking them to overtime and, yes. you know, obviously went down to the wire with that. Um, it, it, as, was, as it, it, it was Purdy. It was Purdy. Sorry, it was Purdy. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think if you do get in his faces, you know, it is going to it is going to affect him. But as you say, we can't be we can't be sending people on max blitzes or whatever. You've got to worry about get if if we do it, we get the you know we we make sure that these tackles are put in as soon as they get the ball. We can't have them getting ahead of steam up um <coughs> now interestingly this week um brian Broaddus has said that there's a tell with uh trent wills that you can normally see from the way he lines up he's a bit wider in the stands oh, the narrow run. stance thing i've heard that before yeah, yeah yeah and also there's something else i'd heard as well is that the side that use check normally goes to is normally the side that the play goes to as well so when you see him when you see him lined out up outside as well Invariably, there's maybe a, a wide receiver bubble screen or something like that, and yeah, you know, yeah, you've got yeah. and he's to, the clear man, and he's the clear man. If he's if he's lined up off site, offset as a as a fullback, 
they run to that side as well. They don't they don't really have counters or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll um, move to the ball like. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there there are things to key key in on. Having said that, I mean maybe this is where they throw everything out the window so that everybody's done their scouting for the last four weeks or whatever, <laughs> come up with this, and then they, you know, they throw that out the window and go, yeah. go, go the yeah, other way. So. Is what, what, what we said the Washington game was all about. <laughs> but uh, here yep. we go then. We'll finish up on the, 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 the corner side, the defensive backs. And uh, first of all, I want... Oh, no, wait, we were meant to give kudos to LVE. So kudos to LVE. I mean, he played a fantastic game. Great to see. No surprise that, you know, Locked the running down, the run down, and that guy was just on fire. Uh, and like a two year uh, question uh, though, two year or three year contract? Three year. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. The reason it's I'm not saying... a question of if; it's a question of how long, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And I, we we kind of spoke about this on Tuesday from the post game show, yeah. regards to um, other teams that might want to look into LVE in that. We are in the, the best position to re-sign LVE when you really do think about it. One is we have a much more better knowledge of his medical history. Teams that don't know him, like obviously maybe looking to sign him, they'll be very wary. They might know, might have the resources, what we do have, etc. And we know how to actually utilise LVE at his potential. They might put him in a different scheme and it might not work for him as proven and back in 2020. I just so, don't see. It. I don't see him going anywhere else. Like especially when you think. Do I. I. I really hope that. Yeah. I hope. I really do hope to the gods that LVE does come back. Well, think really about do. it. Who's playing linebacker for the Cowboys next year at this stage? We've got well, Demon Clark. Demon Clark and <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't see Jabril. I, I, you you mentioned Jabril Cox, but it's just it's just been a non-entity. It's not been on the field really. Special teams. Special teams and that's yep. it. Yeah. And like well, that yeah. seems to be where they're trying to judge him. Where I think that's they're like, if he, if we can get something out of Cox here on special teams, we can look into it. And he's just he's yeah. hmm. but let's talk about the cornerbacks, guys, right? Um yep. we gave kudos to LVE. I want to give kudos to Dan Quinn because I feel he's been planning this all along and has been hiding it in the regular season since Anthony Brown went down. Deron Bland playing as the cornerback two's spot. I mean, I will say now, I prefer him playing as a slot corner than on the outside. He looks much better as a slot corner. But by playing him on the outside, you play Israel Mukwamu from the slot position. And those that result, that that uh, with those three cornerbacks at those positions is absolutely ideal. And the way Israel Mukwamu played last week, I just I I I'm pretty much sure that was their plan all along. They just didn't want to show their hand. I I, I do agree. I mean, I, th I did think it was a bit strange that Nashawn Wright was inactive yeah. last week. Yeah. Um. You know, and you know, I I'd seen a tweet as soon as they announced the inactives. You know, you're you're basically going in with four cornerbacks and five safeties in terms of how they how they are on the depth chart, yeah. and you thought. Uh, that looks weird, but <coughs> as you say, it worked out. And I mean, obviously, McQuamu was a was a cornerback in college. He was, we'd yeah. 
we drafted him. We said, you know, he came on the phone and said, I'm going to be the best damn cornerback you've got on the roster. <laughs> and they're going, well, actually, we're moving you to safety, right? I'm going to be the best safety you got yeah, on, yeah, yeah. <coughs> on the roster. And, you know, he he's thrown into the game there last week and he does a job on he does a job on his coverage. Um, he's, he's good enough. Great. I mean, he's going to struggle with the long speed because he's so tall and lanky. So his movement skills are fine enough. Playing from the slot and it worked. And I was just like, wow, this... I was worried about the cornerback two position because I was expecting Bland to play from the slot and for them to still try and figure out with Xavier Rhodes on the outside and what have you. But it didn't. This worked. I will say this. This kind of does go back down to the fact that this is definitely a Dan Quinn type of player. He's a hybrid... uh, like defensive back who can play safety and can play cornerback, and he's got the height, he's got the he's got that type of he's got all the attributes that Dan Quinn wanted. We got him, and we're, we're starting to see why we did draft him. Don't get me wrong, like I'd love to see more of him on the field. I hope he does well and keeps progressing yeah. the way he's going. I mean, I thought he, he did fantastic and he contributed a lot in that game mm. against Tampa Bay. So I'm excited for him. He wants to be a corner. Is what it is, but the Cowboys want him to be J. Ron Kirst Jr. That's what well, they want. From him. They want him to be that tight end killer. You know, once J. Ron Kirst moves on or what have you, you know. Isn't our tight end killer more like Donovan Wilson? But no, nah, I'd say it's Kirst. No, I'd say Donovan Wilson's more your sort of sweeper. Mm. Um, you know, or that rover, that rover guy that comes yeah. up and makes the big hit and throws, the edge throws the his box. body about with it. Yeah, yeah throws yeah. his body about with abandon. Um, mm. You know, because he he certainly wasn't letting anybody get easy yards. Uh, you know, when it, they came within his direction. So yeah, um, yeah. Izzy was great, and and I mean, you you spoke to it as well earlier on about the yak yards because that's what this team is is good at. But there's a, a two sides to this story, which we'll talk about, and that's Trayvon Diggs. So people are saying Diggs has issues with tackles, and I'm saying that's both true and false, is that it's not so much that he has trouble with tackles, but that he likes to tackle guys like from behind to make an easier tackle. So if you watch, he'll let his man go past him and then tackle him and wrap him up that way. Yeah. And I just think that in this game against these guys, that's a panic. Mm-hmm. Although I can flip yep. this back on his head, mind, is that Trayvon Diggs and Debo Samuel have met twice before. And do you know how many total yards Debo Samuel has against Trayvon Diggs in that time? It's it's 20 yards or something like that. It's something, it's something yards. very low. Yeah, yeah 30, 30, yards. Right. 30 yards in two games. So for yep. people worrying about Trayvon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs has shown you he can beat Debo Samuel. He's shown you he can do it. And I get, but I do get the uh, the, the concern. Um, for me, the concern in terms of corner is more Brandon Ayuk over the other side against Ron Bland. You're going to have to give him over-the-top help. You're going to have to. Uh, yeah. But by doing that, you expose yourself to George Kittle down the middle. Yep. And uh, and even Juszczyk as well. Juszczyk coming yeah. out of the backfield is a, is a very good thing. Um, and then obviously McCaffrey, McCaffrey as well. I mean, it, looking at it, 
this is this is a game where we we certainly haven't faced a team that has this number of weapons. Yes. Um, but <clears throat> I think you know Dan Dan Quinn knows what Shanahan's like. There's the whole Shanahan was his offensive coordinator yeah, the Super yeah. Bowl year and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, they have an understanding of each other. True. That might pl- that might play to the benefit that you know what they're going to do. It might also play to that you go right. Well, again, this is what he's going to expect. Throw it out, throw it out, and we'll do something completely different. So, yeah. Um, yes. So I mean, it it is a wild one. Um, you know, when you look at everything that's going on there, because um, that this again, once you start breaking it down. With the running backs and the tight end and the wide, that's why I'm saying as you know, you throw in the offensive line as well. Why this team is not quarterback reliant? Going back to that original statement, that that quarterback needs to, as I put in my article, I said that Dak is a truck for this offense because he drives the offense. If Dak has a bad day, the offense has a bad day. Whereas for the 49ers, Brock Purdy is a trailer. So what they need is they just don't need him to blow out a tire or to suddenly slap on the brakes. They just need the, the offense will drag him along, and he just needs to be the guy who's not going to mess things up. That, and that that's and I just described to you Stetson Burnett for Georgia. I think I think the term you're looking for is steering the ship. Yeah, basically, you know, and that's the way that side works. But as I think, as long as they contain is the big one. Don't overrun. Yeah, create a pocket, let him pass from there, and let the rest of your guys cover, and that's the mm-hmm. way to go. Yep. But let's do this. Yes. <laughs> Everyone at home. Yes, well. guys, get your comments in, get your score predictions in. We will bring them up the screen and read them out. So get them in. All right. So I haven't given my score predictions in at blogging the boys yet. I'll do it after this. But I'm thinking so Brock Purdy has issues with accuracy and ball placement. Which... <laughs> oh, oh wait, wait! I, funny that you mentioned that. Did anyone see the? Uh, the I can't remember what uh, mainstream media, but they had Brock Purdy is more accurate than Dak Prescott as a head-to-head <laughs> comparison. <laughs> In but, Iowa State, just go back to Iowa State. That's all oh I'm my saying. god! I, I'm just like really. It's like this really comes to show that. Mainstream, you just cannot trust mainstream media when it comes to talking football because they're there just for clickbait reactions. That's and when I mean. saw that, I'm like, oh my goodness. We but know sorry, where you're mate. going. Sorry, but, mate. I, I had to. No, but it's true, man. It's true. That's why, um, the, the, you know, there's a lot of people talking about um, media uh, and, and, you know, underground media now is becoming much more truthful and the place to go. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, follow your Dallas Cowboys content creators and follow your Dallas Cowboys official media. That's yeah. all you need. Right. You don't need the mainstream. Yes. Yeah. There we go. So, uh, yeah, so his ball placement is an issue, which I think for this Cowboys defense, they can capitalize on stuff like that. Um, yeah. With Malik Hooker, Jaron Kurz. You know, Diggs is known for catching interceptions. He just hasn't done it this year. Jerome See, Bland, Jerome Bland. That's, a, that's an idea we've no talked. That's an idea we've no talked about. It's Malik Cooker. How much mm-hmm. he's came on the past couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Like is that room in safety? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, looking at that, I think although it's going to be a close game, 
I think this is a low scoring game. So I'm going Cowboys 20, 49ers 17. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to go Cowboys 31, San Francisco 24. And I was going to go 31 27 and for Joe the Cowboys. There. Uh, and Joe uh, from our good friend from Italy, he's saying Dallas 35, 49ers 20. Um, guys, be sure to get all your, and uh, Tim's got his bowl prediction in now. He's going for Dallas 34, San Francisco 16. I like it. Mm. Yes. Think, here's the thing, though. Yeah. Do we think Dallas is going to be stepping under the gas so early on in the game? Like we like we tried to do against Tampa because we did like the first first series of drives it was like four and out four and out four and out then when once that first touchdown hit and it was like we were full steam ahead. Yeah. No, I. It wasn't even then. I tell you when the game was over when it was full steam when Dak made that um made that rushing touchdown on the bootleg. As soon as he scored that, that was it. It was over. No, I, w- I wouldn't say it, it was over. No, I'm just saying like how the momentum of the offense was going in our favor. I... Yep. Tyler Biadish got set. That's what it was. You look at the the, the first down was a sack from Vita Vea that Biadish let through. After that, he seemed to find a groove and kept Vita Vea at bay. I mean, it was tough. You watched; he was hanging on yeah. for dear life. Yeah, but but, what, <laughs> but he what... did it. But what I mean is, it's like since we got the first touchdown to Dalton Schultz, that was us on the on the way to victory. But what yeah. sealed the victory? What you what you're saying is that I thought the seal the, the seal of a uh, basically game set and match was when Dak did that. That really took out the confidence out of Tampa Bay. Yeah, but yeah. I think if we were silence to kind of, the crowd is what it did. Yeah. yeah, I think if we were to do that in San Francisco, I think that'd be a very similar situation. I, th- I think you're right there that it was Dak scoring that touchdown, but I think on the back of the fact that um, the defense had shut down Tampa Bay, that Tampa Bay had driven down first down and first down and goal. Micah Parsons bats the ball away again. Probably should have, you know, he's still missing that first interception in his in his resume. Um, <coughs> had a chance. The next play. It's the, inter- the red zone interception for uh, Curse as well. And then our offense takes it down the field and, uh, you know, sc- scores on Dak's, Dak's touchdown run. That was, that was where it was sealed for me. Um, you know, and yeah, they got two touchdowns, but, you know, they were relatively um, safe times for them to score. Um, yes. Yeah, I agree. But it, it, it's going to be a great game. Either way, yeah. I feel yeah the Cowboys are going through. Brock Purdy is has issues whether you like it or not. What you see on ESPN with accuracy and ball placement, and, that's and that will be a place that, where they can. And that's why he's Mister Irrelevant in this year's draft. Let's not forget that he, he had issues in Iowa State with with accuracy. Here's the best way I can describe Brock Purdy for you, right? Um, average at everything, elite at nothing. Yeah, he he had a good he had a good team the first three years he, of college, and yeah. then it dropped. Last year he had next to nothing, and the stats showed that 
and yep. that's why that's why he was picked apart and everybody passed over him seven times six yeah. times yeah, yeah. and 49ers took him a, a compensatory pick in the in the seventh round yeah it's the best way to describe him. and like you know people will say about his athleticism and um, you know, his speed and acceleration. It, it, it's again, it's average. Like, don't think that he's this crazy Russell Wilson type guy. He's average. But what that means is he's just got enough to escape one or two pressures coming his way. So there's a guy coming at him from both sides. He's just got enough to be able to move out of those guys' way. But then if there's something else coming at him, it's going to crack him. It's going to hit him. And, and that's what you get with Purdy. And it, Everything that you're seeing so far is not because of him. It's because of everything else around him. Yep. Can't be more uh more whatever the word is. I'm getting tired now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More visual than that. Hit me with it anyway, then Paul. Come on. Yep, guys. So if you're planning going to a Dallas Cowboys game next season, be sure to go with cowboysexperience.com for meet and greets, stadium tours amazing game ticket locations, tailgating, and much, much more. Get to meet players like Jay Novacek, Micah Parsons, Hall of Famer Drew Pearson, Zach Martin, Travis Federick, and many, many more. Yes, that's right. And Lorne? Right, so again, check out our Ring of Honor guys here. Uh, whether, it be, whether it's the guys in the Cowboys media, talking Cowboys, hanging with the boys, the break... Um, obviously they'll be firing up the draft show soon. You've then got Logging the Boys with our very own Paul Stewart and mm-hmm. the World's team. You got Law Nation, you got Pick Six, you got uh, J Tuck, Skywalker Steel, KT's Funhouse. Um, you know, everything everything I mean, as I say, I'm listening to podcasts all the time and I'm now up to as I say, I'm now up double speed listening to them every day. Not just, no, 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 not just that, Lauren, as well. It's like you're going to get more reliant content than you are than the mainstream media. Yep. Mm, true. And also, keep an eye out on our social media tomorrow. There's some news on the travel package. <laughs> Wonder what that could be. And if you're listening on the podcast, uh, which will be out, obviously, in the morning or later on this evening, that news is dropping today. So go check uh, the travel package news that will be coming out We'll be very excited. So that's it then, guys. Here we are. Nothing more to say. Nothing yeah. more now than to watch the action and watch the Cowboys roll to an NFC championship. Oh, just the, I'm looking just into the, the distance, by the way. I'm looking into the distance. Oh, we forgot to mention as well, and you made this tweet earlier today, actually, Mike, saying the scenario if we beat, oh. <laughs> we will beat San Francisco, but if the Giants were to upset the Eagles, we will have home field advantage for the NFC Championship yeah. game. That would be wild. So that would be insane. <laughs> A home oh. NFC to the Giants that you've beaten twice. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine the meltdown Eagles Nation would have right now? <laughs> <laughs> Alright then, guys. Oh. You both get the Wait. last word. Kick us out. Drink to some Eagles tears, but hey, guys. Go Cowboys. Let's get ourselves to that NFC Championship, baby. Yep. Let's hope this time next week we're chatting about the NFC Championship game. Cowboys are going to bring it home. <laughs>